Welcome, everybody, to the From Experience podcast. I'm Thomas Meister. Today, we're meeting with Jason Wood, veterans lender, loan originator in the San Diego market. Jason, how are you doing today? Thanks for your time. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah. How do you have the unfortunate pleasure of knowing Eric Peterson? Gosh, you know, um, we got introduced uh, years ago by um, a title rep um, that I work with a lot, who's a Coast Guard veteran. Um, and he the the title rep had helped me kind of find some some different people to recruit and stuff like that when I was building a big branch and um, introduced me to Eric and he's like dude if you really want to blow it up you got to hook up with this guy nice and that's <laughs> that's initially how we connected we, we stayed in touch all these years later that's awesome that's awesome and look and and Jason I, I want to let you know that the reason we put on this podcast is specifically because you know there's there's attributes that people bring to the table that we you know, we really like, and, and we want to be able to share it with a bunch of people. And, and the reason we're having you on is obviously that you're, you know, your intent on being a VA lender and why that's important. And love for you to share just your story about, you know, why you believe it's so near and dear to your heart, how you got into it. And, um, you know, a little bit about yourself as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I really kind of doubled down on the VA niche. Probably when I moved to San Diego, um, which I moved here in 2011. I started originating loans in 2001. So originally I'm from Reno, Nevada, which is where I started doing mortgages. Nice. Um, and I came down here and I, I was sort of niched into VA, but not all the way, you know? And um, it wasn't until a few years after I moved here, um, talking with a couple of friends in the business. And they're like, dude, I think you should just go all in and just focus purely on VA, not that you can't do the other mortgages, but they're like, look, you're a veteran, you know, the loan program better than anybody. Like not many people have that same story. Um, you know, and it positions you well. Um, so I gave it a lot of thought. It wasn't, um, an immediate thing that I, that I did, even though most of my business at that time was predominantly VA anyways. So it kind of made sense. Like, you know, let's just blow the roof off of this thing and go. Um, you mind if I so ask I, real quick, I, what, what maybe was holding you back at the time or what were your, what was your thought process? Well, the reservations I had at the time was, does this pigeonhole me so much that I won't get business, other business, mm. right? Well, realtors only work with me when they have a VA client, you know, not when they have that conventional client or the FHA guy or the jumbo guy. And that's what I was concerned with. Um, I guess the silver lining to that is I'm in one of the largest military markets in the country. So yeah. there is the ability to survive just in that niche because there's so much military here in San Diego. Um, but that was my original reservation to going right into that pigeonholed corner. But um, really it's, it's worked out for the best because on the, on the other side of that, you know, I'd gotten out of originating for a few years, like when I had met Eric and I was just kind of originating whatever loans fell on my lap. Um, but really was into like the, the management side of the mortgage business and trying to grow teams and build branches and, you know, being a branch manager and an area manager and trying to climb the totem pole. And, um, just got to a point where, um, even though I loved like coaching and teaching, uh, the loan officers in my branches, um, it wasn't as fulfilling or rewarding as it was when I, you know, had that realtor call me up and be like, Hey man, I got this veteran, they need to buy a house and I got to help them. And so when I, when I sat back and was kind of just analyzing, cause there was a point in time where I was getting a little frustrated with the business. And I thought, you know, should I look at maybe a, 
a career change at this point. I'm just, I've been in it a long time, getting a little burnout. It's not as enjoyable as it used to be. And um, so I just started thinking about, you know, okay, instead of thinking, dwelling on the negative things that were going through my head, you know, what are the positives? Like, what are the things that bring me joy from this business, right? And it kept coming, circling back to helping the military community. And that's what really was like my driving force when I really sat down and gave it some thought. So at that point, I was like, okay, well, I need to get back into originating loans, quit tinkering around with trying to climb the corporate ladder because, um, you know, that has, that has an income ceiling and, you know, there's just a lot of other hoopla that goes through it. And, um, so that's when I started, I created the brand, um, the VA loan guy and trademarked it and stuff and started my podcast. And, um, I had been doing some video content, but I really got after the video content piece of it as well. And really just went, you know, full throttle into that VA space. And, and the, the, the fear that I had originally, right. Of pigeonholing myself into that, um, has had no impact. In fact, you know, my business has grown probably more because I'm so niched, right? People just know like, Hey, if you got a VA loan, like you go to this guy. Um, and that's who they prefer. Yeah. So it, it really has played out and I, it reminds me of, so when I very first started in the business in, in 2001, I started working for this mortgage broker company. It's called NV mortgage, like the abbreviation for Nevada. And, um, you know, my office was me and a couple of fraternity brothers and it was the animal house of mortgage offices at the beginning. I mean, we, we were pretty wild and we're, you know, early twenties making more money than an early 20 year old should probably make. And just, we we're crazy. So, but we became one of the better producing branches, right? Cause we didn't have kids. We didn't have a life. We just worked like crazy. And, um, I remember that the CEO came to visit us quite a bit. He was in Las Vegas. We were up in Reno and, um, he came to visit us quite a bit cause we're one of his better branches. And I just asked him cause at the time he was young. I mean, he was, maybe mid thirties, maybe late thirties at the oldest. Um, but he's a CEO of this company. He had several branches under his belt. I was pretty impressed by that. And just asking him like, like, how did you get there? And he said, well, um, he goes, I'm going to tell you the riches are in the niches. I was like, okay, what does that mean? And he said, well, before subprime lending was really a thing. So this is before the real big housing boom in the early two thousands. He said, I was the only guy selling subprime loans. So I went to every lender. I went to every more real estate office and I was, I was it. I was the only, I mean, there was a couple other in my market, but I was the only one really getting after it. And he's like, I, I blew up and he's like, I got a ton of business and I saved my money and everything else. And then I ventured out on my own and started this company. Um, but he's like, it was because I niched myself so heavy in that, that I was the expert. That is so cool. And so. Yeah, when I when I doubled down on this, it it, re, it triggered all those conversations. Brought I was all like, back. Oh yeah. I, I'd yeah. like to ask two quick questions, and then want to come back to the VA loan guy. And I feel like there's a lot to unpack right there. For for anybody listening, who I guess you know, that's a great story. I feel like it really does help people get through that potential struggle. Like, do I want to fo- focus on horse property? Right. Like, I love horses, but I feel like I'm pigeonholing myself. Right. Do you have any other maybe? quick pieces of advice for people who are kind of struggling with, like, do I want to invest like heavily into, into a a niche? Yeah. I think, you know, you always hear that, the adage, especially when you're growing up and your parents are telling, you know, do what you love, you know, for work, because then it's not really work. Right. And I think we've all heard that a lot. Um, the reality is I don't think all of us get to do exactly what it is that we loved as a child for our career. Um, 
you know, our paths take us in different directions and that's, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think what you need to do is when you're in the industry or the, the field that you are comfortable in and you know that there's some room to grow is really sit back and uncover what the joy is that you get from that. Right. Yeah. I mean, all of us have, you know, our reasons to complain about work or the manager or whatever, right. There's, there's always that stuff. And I think sometimes people focus too much on the negative. Um, but I think if you can focus on the positive, like what is the joy that I get from this? Yeah. What is the fulfillment? You know? Yeah. Because it can, yeah, it'll, it'll drive you to keep going. That's probably how you're, you know, the CEO of your first company got to where he was. He had something to keep him going. Probably how you have gotten to where you are in the, in the VA space, because that fulfillment that you've gotten from working with those clients allows you to keep going. That's awesome. So yeah, you, Jason, are you telling me that like when you were, you know, when young Jason was playing ball in the front yard, he didn't go, you know, what, I want to do loans for a living. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't a thought in my head. In fact, you know, my dad was a real estate agent and, um, growing up in kind of that roller coaster of income as a child, it was one thing I swore one industry I swore I would never get into for work was that industry. Um, because when it, it was, it was feast or famine. And I remember just as a kid, you know, when times were good, man, it was good. We did all the fun things and Christmases were great. And we got to have those back to school clothes we wanted and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But when times were lean, holy smokes, it was hard to be a kid in those lean times. And so to me, that was an industry that had no appeal. Yeah. Um, and I fell into it uh, by accident and, you know, having been in it as long as I have now, there, you know, I've learned a few things, and one of them is how to really build the business and make it a business where, you know, my children won't have the same experience that I did. Yeah, that's an origin story waiting to be unpacked right there. Have you, if you haven't, a shameless plug for Renee Rodriguez, guys. <laughs> like, if you haven't gone through Amplify, dude. Have you, Jason? I haven't been through Amplify, but okay. interesting, interesting tie there. So when I was in Reno. Um, I, my first branch manager job was a local direct lender there. And, um, the CEO hired Renee to come and he, he doesn't, I talked to him recently. He doesn't do this anymore, but he's thinking of bringing it back. Um, but it was like, I think it was a two or a three day, all company like Renee Rodriguez kind of amplify thing. And I haven't been to amplify, so I don't know if it's exactly, oh, yeah, the same, yeah. but I think he's talking about engage or maybe it's different. Actually. It sounds like if it's an all company thing, that probably is next level. That's not, well, all right. That's cool. Yeah. Can't wait for it, that. It was pretty cool. But um, yeah, that was, gosh, that was back in 2005, probably. Wow. I had one other question, um, I guess also about your journey that I feel like a lot of people could get some value from is when you were thinking about making that career change, right? And you said you were in the management side of mortgages, correct? So you were just a manager non-producing? Yeah, non-producing manager. So, yeah. I mean, first off, really quick, what were you, what would you have done if not mortgages? You know, I had a really strong inclination to get into the uh, hedge fund world. And Ooh. I had I had started looking into what it took from an education standpoint in licensing and certifications. And I had found an organization that trained specifically for that. Um, that's where I had a lot of interest. Okay. Because I, I have a, a strong interest in like, you know, the financial markets and things like that. And so you that's, probably what, that's what I was thinking about. You probably still are involved heavily in, in things and maybe crypto. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I have a little of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you were going to do that transition, um, what was it like, I guess, for also for people who are in management right now, right? It's a hard, it's a hard market right now, right? Like there's a lot of yeah. layoffs happening. So for people that don't produce, thinking about getting into origination again, got any advice for them? 
Yeah, I think I think you need to, right? I think one of the lessons that I learned from all that was by being non-producing or really just doing a loan if it fell on my lap, right? So not really going out and getting after the business. I think it, it was a strong leadership lesson that I learned. Um, and I think, especially in this industry, you need to lead by example. And if you're going to lead other loan officers, you need to be in the trenches. You know, you need to be experiencing what they're experiencing. I mean, as the manager, you hear about it all the time because they're talking to you and asking for help and stuff, but you're not in it, right? You're, you don't have the emotional tie to what's happening and pulling on you and stuff like that. Um, and then also, you know, the your people, your subordinates are only going to follow the example that they see of the best person. And if you're the best person in the office, but you're not producing, well, they they have the next best person as an example. And that might not be the example you want them to follow, right? right? As much as you might coach and teach, you know, people are going to follow um, those who set the best example. And so that was, that was a big learning lesson for me is um, I really needed to be in production and um, in doing loans and showing people, you know, I could tell them all day long what to do to be a great producer and do a lot of volume, but it's different when they can see it yep. and they can see it in action. They can see the results. And I, you know, I, I just see too often in this business that, you know, we've been taught that there's a progression in our career, right? You go from loan officer to sales manager, branch manager, you just work your way up. Yeah. But what people aren't seeing is, is that even what I want to do? Right. And I think, yeah. you know, to your point, I will tell you, if I'm working for somebody that's, that's actually doing the same work and I get to watch them and they're successful, like that inspires me to go, how do I get there? But if you're the, if you're the best at what you do, like, who are you learning from? Like, so there's got to be, there's always got to be somebody that you're surrounding yourself with or that, you know, even if you're not the same company that maybe does it just a little bit better that you can learn from like some sort of collaborative environment. Right. Yeah. But, but the other piece of it that I, I believe is shouldn't be overlooked is that if, if some, if some one of the, one of the neatest questions somebody asked me was, do you ever see a point in which you're not doing what you're doing today? Right. And my, my answer to that was, I don't know how I would feel about what I do teaching other people how to do it if I'm not actually doing the work either. Right. You know what I mean? It's, I, I yeah. would feel kind of hypocritical. Not only that, but look at the market changes that you've been in just from the amount of time you've been in this business. Right. And if you were somebody that was super successful in the late nineties and you got out, you know, let's just say in 2000 and you've just been a mentor and a coach all that time. Well, a lot of things have changed and maybe those things that you were doing in the late nineties, they don't really translate or land as well as they do, you know, uh, as they did back then. And yeah. I think that it's, it's always important to just be self-aware of who you are, what you know, what you're into and, and be as engaged as possible to be able to, you know, feel those, not only those successes, but those pains that other people are feeling as well. Um, but I want to parlay that into this question because I think it's important, you know, for everybody to understand uh, the VA loan itself is, how how well known is it within like the the veteran community as 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 a perk and you know what are what are kind of the perceptions both both from you know veterans themselves as well as those that engage with them whether it be a, a, an originator or a realtor well um it's a really good question so for the active duty service member a lot of them don't know much about the VA loan other than they've kind of heard of people in their maybe their unit talk about it um, or maybe like a, you know, a, a senior ranking person talk about it who just bought a home or something. But they're, the military doesn't provide any education to the members about the VA loan in, in really? a formal setting. 
Um, and when you think about it, it makes sense, right? I mean, the military's objective is not to say, hey, here's all the cool stuff you get because you served. Like, the military's objective is you need to be mission ready. Yeah, great warriors. You know, yeah. if, if it's your time and you're called, I mean, it, it's game on. You need to be at your A game as a warrior for whatever your job duty is and be able to perform it at a top, top level. And that's how we want our fighting force, right? Right. We don't want them cushy sitting back going, oh, well, hey, if I hang in a couple of years, I get these cool trinkets, right? Like, that's not, the, that's not the objective of what our military is there for. Now, the, fortunately, there are some amazing benefits, right? So the military has started to employ better financial education because one of the things that the military has learned um, over the years is that a lot of its members didn't have any financial understanding, right? And I mean, like, from the basics, right? Like, how sure. to pay bills. Yep. Not, not taught in our society, right? It's not taught in our public schools. And, and the lion's share of our military are 18 year olds that go straight from high school into the military, right? I mean, there isn't a ton that get out of high school, do some life for a while and then join the military, right? So they're just going from like living at home with mom and dad to boom, you're in the military. So they didn't get that opportunity to learn how to pay a bill or apply for credit or balance a checkbook, right? They just they never had that chance. So um, military is starting to employ some education around that, which ties into um, some real estate um, knowledge as well, including the VA loan. Um, to, to answer the second part of your question, you know, how is it viewed with you know, real estate agents and loan officers? Um, with real estate agents, some of it is market specific, right? I think... Um, there's a little bit of an edge for real estate agents in heavy military markets, you know, the Norfolk, Virginia area, San Diego, Colorado Springs. So, you know, where there's a heavy concentration of military, the real estate agents are more knowledgeable about it than in, in other markets and more willing to um, consider offers with VA loans than in other markets. Um, but overwhelmingly, what I, I receive feedback from on real estate agents is they don't understand um, that the VA loan isn't just for someone who can barely get a house, right? So in their in their brain, they're thinking, oh, well, there's zero down payment. So these are like the worst of the worst for qualification purposes. Uh -huh. And that's how they interpret a zero down situation. You're just the bottom of the barrel. So then they get other offers where there is some down payment or large down payments, and automatically those rank higher. And the statistics show and prove the opposite. Most military, whether they're active or veterans, most buyers using the VA loan are higher qualified people than those using the conventional loan. On average, they have higher credit scores, higher levels of education, oftentimes um, higher household income, higher amount of assets. They just have this really cool financing tool that provides for them the opportunity to not have a down payment. It's not that they can't or wouldn't put a down payment, but they have this cool tool that no one else gets access to, right? And when you start, when I start sharing like the benefits of this loan with real estate agents, especially talking about multifamily or something, all of a sudden their eyes get real big and they're like, holy smokes, like this actually is really, really cool. I had no idea, but it's a, it's really a lack of education. And so, you know, the, a stigma develops around it. And especially from, you know, the, the seasoned agents in their offices who, you know, did a VA loan back in the 80s, and it was a nightmare, and 
Granted, it probably was. Um, so they tell everybody that they're terrible and horrible, and that's just kind of the mantra in that particular real estate office, so everyone believes it, right? Um, I mean, there's a guy in San Diego here. He, 25-year career in the Navy. He's a real estate agent, and for half his career, he would not touch anything with the word VA because he had that imprint in his brain. And finally, he got some education, um, and now he's a big, big advocate for it. He helps a ton of military and everything else and kind of kicks himself for the first half of his real estate career avoiding it. But it was just because of hearsay that he got somewhere else. And there's, there's too much of that in, in the market, and it's, it's pretty unfortunate. Um, when, I, when I go into real estate offices um, and do my VA loan presentation to them, you know, this, this topic comes up, especially with the down payment and appraisals are, are the other concern. But I share, um, I share this slide as part of my PowerPoint, which I'll, I'll put on here for your audience if they want like yeah, to see please. it. Um, but we get into down payment and I say, you know, there's um, only about 1% of our population actually served in the military that has access to this. And so I tell them, here's the reason why they're not showing up to your house with a big fat down payment. Yeah. For anybody listening on a podcast, it's, you know, you've got a crew of military taking a, you know, fallen soldier out of a probably AC 130, right? Onto the tarmac. And it says, I yeah. earned my down payment. Yeah. Draped with the American flag. This is what fires me up so much when I talk to real estate agents about, oh, well, I got, you know, they don't have a down payment. Oh, really? I didn't see you volunteer to do this. You know, it, it seems like, you know, something that you brought up a topic that's, you know, uh, kind of interesting. We were talking about financial literacy earlier, right? And that's, yeah. that's a big problem. And the funny part is if you think about access to information, Right. Not only information on really understanding the, the, the why behind the VA loan and why the zero down payment doesn't mean anything or what they think it means. The, the funnier part about it is if you have access to information, especially people that are really good with money, that are investors, those people don't leverage their money. They leverage other people's money. Right. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And so, you know, educating somebody like a realtor is like, Hey, if, if I can put 0% down on this property and I can save myself, you know, 150, 200 grand and invest that in another vehicle that will get me a higher rate of return, then I'm going to be saving on my mortgage. How does that not make sense? Right. And, and that's just, that's just the funny thing about information is if, if, if we don't have access to it, we just have to go off perceptions and assumptions. Yeah. The perfect example of that is, Elon Musk take over of Twitter, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, what's the sale of that? 44, is it 44 billion, 44 right? Billion, yeah. Here's what he did not do. He did not reach into his piggy bank or his savings account. And go, Here's $44 billion. <laughs> what did he do? He took out a loan against the stock. He leveraged just exactly what we're talking about. Smart he net. leveraged. There was no dollar bills leaving his pocket at all. Yeah. Now, of course, he that's his money, but you know he wasn't sitting there counting out hundred dollar bills to make this thing happen. Um, and that's, that's, um, you know, kind of a superfluous view of what we're talking about, but it's true. You know, like the wealthy in our country, it, they, they use leverage, right? Yeah. And we get into some of those conversations in the real estate business, you know, oh, cash is king, cash offers, this type of thing. In our society, credit is king. And 
that Elon Musk takeover is a perfect example of that. You know, and it, it, it comes down to access, really. You know, and here's, yeah. well, here's the funny thing is, if we have access to cash, you know, whether it's through obviously credit or whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. That's this big fear that people have. Like, P, you, you, the, the more you get into human behavior, you start to realize that when something does go wrong, more people go to the extreme of how bad it's going to get before, you know, the, 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 the smaller amount of the population does, right? Some people go, ah, well, here's a challenge. How do we get over it, right? Other people are like, oh, my gosh, I just lost my job. I'm going to be homeless, right? <laughs> it, it goes yeah. to that extreme. And when you do that, and I've mentioned it before on a, a few of these podcasts that we've done, is when you buy a home, the lack of education that you get, it's more, it, it's turned from advisory, which I think is the biggest value the majority of people within this business bring. Instead, it's, well, what do you want? I want to get a house. Okay, well, let's put you in a 30-year fix, right? Here's your 30-year well, fix with cheese. Next. With cheese. But the, the, the funny part about right? it is, I was, when I bought my first home, don't get me wrong, I was scared shitless. I just was. Because I'm like, I, I'm, I'm 23 years old. I don't know. I like. I don't. I don't have any real responsibilities, right? So, and all of a sudden, that number compared to what I've made in my life looks huge. I'm like, I'm not sure that I can pay that. And I remember the gal. She 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 gets the monitor. She she turns it around. She's like, No, no, you got a smiley face by your name. I'm like, what The hell does that mean? And she's like, Look, <laughs> she's like, These people are not in in the business of giving out free money, and they don't want your house, right? And if you couldn't pay it back, you know, they, they wouldn't give you a loan. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense, right? So that makes sense. But what somebody doesn't tell you is, you know, they tell you it's, 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 it's going to be one of the greatest assets that you ever purchased. It's the most money that you'll ever spend. It's stuff like that, right? Right. What they don't tell you is to get access to that cash, you either have to sell it or pay an absorbent amount of money to pull money out, you know? And if right. somebody said, hey, you're going to have so much equity, it's going to be awesome. And I buy a house and all of a sudden, like in, in today's world, let's just say I have, you know, 500 grand in equity. I don't want to take it out because I don't want a huge payment. So I have to go from two and a quarter rate up to 5%. And then to pull out 50 grand, I need to pay you 15 grand. That the, it doesn't seem fair and equitable when you put it in those terms, but nobody shares that with you. Instead, it's here's why you should get it, but not then what? Like, how do I, how do I leverage that asset? And, you know, the, the, the sad part about it, especially when it comes to like, you know, the, the veteran world is not only do they not have that education, but there isn't a lot put in of effort put into having this, this phenomenal like benefit, right. That, that yeah. some people just don't have access to. And, um, you know, what is it that you think can be done differently, at least from what's in your control? to change that? Um, well, interesting you asked that. So I'm actually starting a nonprofit um, called the Armed and Ready Foundation with uh, another veteran who's in the industry, Navy vet. And um, our, our goal with it is to be able to take it, to go from base to base and provide financial education kind of bracketed into pay grade segments, right? So for example, your E1s, which is your lowest enlisted rank up to maybe an E4. Um, and they're usually, you know, in their 20s as far as their age range, right? Um, that person probably doesn't need to understand how to invest in stocks and options and, you know, real estate and finance at that age, 
But what they could really benefit from is understanding how to balance a checkbook, pay some bills, and not screw up their credit, right? So that would be valuable education for them. So our, our, our program is to have local veterans who are in those respective spaces come on base and teach. So we would have, you know, however we label that class, which we're in the infancy stages right now, but if we had a local banker that was a vet at any bank, you know, it doesn't matter the affiliation that could come and teach, you know, a 30 or 40 minute class on the basics of managing your money, right? Just the basics, putting money in savings account, how the interest grows, stuff like that. And then the next phase would be, you know, most people are starting to, after that, get married, have children, start thinking about buying a home. So then we would come in and teach on, you know, the, the VA loan piece, buying real estate. And then after that, you know, people are starting to focus more and more on the long term on investing and retirement and, and those types of things. So we would have someone local veteran that's in that space to come and present. And what we want to do is create this nonprofit and really be able to provide this at military installations throughout the country so that we can round out some of that education and fill in some of those um, holes that are being missed by what the military is able to teach them right now. And not that they're not capable, they're just, you know, there's their mission focus and there's a time constraint on what sure. they have available to them. So, you know, if we can come in and fill that gap, I think, you know, it helps everybody substantially. Because here's the other thing. When, when our military is deployed and they're away from their family, having financial stress, and if, I'm sure we've all been there, when you're under grave financial stress, it's hard to focus on other stuff, right? It's just hard. Right. So if you're halfway across the world and you've got major financial stress going on at home and that, you know, that affects the rest of the home. Right. And, and everything that, you know, all those complexities, too. It's really hard to focus. So how are you going to be completely mission ready and focused on the mission when you've got this thing tugging at your heart and in your head all day, every day, losing sleep at night? Right. And then you got to go out and fight bad guys. You it's, know it's pretty hard to be able to do that at a high level. Um, so that's. You know, that's another reason for our motivation for doing this. Yeah, so, so just to reiterate something that you just said that I think is <clears throat> important for anybody to just take a second to really think about is you have people that, for one, are, there's, there's quite a few that are married and have kids, right, that have the stress of being away from their family for months or years, right? Yep. On top of it, financial stress. And then on top of that, there's a there's a possibility that they've been in situations where that bullet's whizzing by their head, you know. And to your point, being combat ready, if that's what they can focus on and not have to worry, and we can we can do our part as the people that they're defending, right? Mm -hmm. Anything that we can do to alleviate those other stressors, I 100% believe we should be doing. And and if it just comes down to something as I'm not gonna say as, as simple and easy as education, but I mean I feel like that's the least that we can do. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to add, I feel like it, it honestly might even require a movement. And so, I mean, that's one of the things I'm most proud of that I know that we do um, at Neo, Jason, I know that basically after this conversation, I could almost guarantee you're doing that, right? Which is you're helping change the mortgage industry. And like Eric said earlier, I don't care what logos on somebody's business card, right? I think the mortgage industry needs to change because they're contributing to the lack of financial literacy. They have, yeah, the most information about these homeowners, right? And, you know, I've heard it uh, shared this way. Mortgage industry is kind of like a lawnmower without a bag, right? They're more than happy to mow your lawn. And I mowed your lawn. That's all you wanted, right? And then the homeowner is left to clean it all up. 
when the reality is we now know more about those homeowners and what it takes to become a successful homeowner, right? And and veterans, like, I think it's a shame. Like, that's that's a catastrophe that there's people who just could be serving them at a higher level that really don't think that that's their job, right? Yeah. And they'll always be cheap, right? Like, I think that the mortgage industry is really clearly headed, like, you know, there's going to always be cheap, but then there's value, right? And I think there's too many people who are just in the middle somewhere that they're not the cheapest and they're not the most valuable. So what do you actually do to help the consumer, right? So yeah. I think you made a great point right there. Like we need an alternative to click button, get mortgage, stay stupid, right? And um, <laughs> I agree with you. And, and it's, it's interesting you bring that point up because, you know, so many times I'll talk to a new lead, right? A potential new client. And they may have spoken to one or two or three or more mortgage companies before I spoke to them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't spend hours talking to them, but I might spend 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes talking to them. And, and I'm pretty educational in the way that I talk to people. So, you know, just through the nature of that and teaching them a little bit about this great program, and it, maybe it's not VA, maybe it's some, a different sure. loan program. But anyway, just teaching them about that stuff, right? Um, I'm really floored almost every time they're like, holy cow. And like the five minutes or 10 minutes, however long we've been talking, I've learned more about this program than I could find online and that any of these other three people talked to me about. They were all just like quick math. Yeah, you, you, you could probably qualify for X. Let me know if you're ready and we'll get you, we'll get you approved. And um, I had a phone conversation last night with the guy and that's exactly what they did. The loan officer he spoke to before me just pencil whipped. Yeah, you could probably qualify for this. Yeah, they told that, you. That was, they told you what you can do. Nobody told you what you should do because they didn't care. Yeah, you know, the 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 funny correlation I always think about is, you know, if somebody's like, "Hey, you know, you can buy, you know, this this TurboTax software, right? And you can do it for yourself, and it won't cost you six hundred bucks to use a CPA." And say, like, "Great, I just did it myself. I got fifteen hundred bucks back." Or, you know, you can pay six eight hundred bucks to a CPA, and he's like, "Look, here's what you can do, right?" I got you 13 grand back. Like who in the hell are you going to use? It only makes sense, right? Or yeah. same with investments. You know, they're like, hey, we only charge a dollar a trade. I don't know how you've been, but every every time I invest in something, I mean, I'm a I'm a terrible investor. Dogecoin right? isn't doing too well, guys. I, Absolutely why did I terrible, buy <laughs> right? Versus somebody goes, hey, look, I'm a multi-billionaire and this, this is my strategy and how, is it, how I do it. So why don't I show you how to do that? Like which one... Which one is the value and which one is the price? And if, if you're a price guy, that's okay. Yeah. But if you're a value guy, the only value that we can bring, well, when I say we, I mean you, Jason, I don't do loans, but is, is, is how do you make somebody a successful homeowner? How do you educate them? Like that's your biggest value. And, and you know, something that I hear a lot here is, and, and Tom, I'm, I'm going to screw this up, but I'm, I'm going to try and say it my best is why, like, why should somebody use you? Right. And it can't be cost. Right, because there's going to be somebody that's whether it's price or rate, it's going to be better than you, right? Mm -hmm. It can't be customer service because as much as we give and joke around about it, for the most part, even the you know some of the what we would consider terrible lenders or advisors, they have a process and it it works well enough, right? And the right. last thing is you can't say experience. And when I talk to people about that, I said yep. before you answer, I believe that most advisors number one asset is their experience because they you know typically people say well you know i got these loans done that i nobody else could do right that nobody else could do 
And then I'll ask them, I'm like, hey, if you look at all your business from, let's just take the last two years, what percentage of those people could not have gotten their deal without you, right? And it's not until you, you frame it that way because people, why wouldn't you use me? Like, I'm, I'm really good at what I do. I care about what I do. I want everybody to have a great experience. Yeah, That's sure. awesome. But you're not providing anything different. And if you can't differentiate yourself on the value side, then why doesn't it make more sense for somebody to go with the price side? And, you know, to me, like, that's something that, that you're doing just differently that, that is so important is, like, your value comes in the education, Right getting people financially literate, giving them access to information, helping them become a successful homeowner, not just for 30 years, but for as long as you have that relationship. And I think that's a that's a step that seems to be missed in our business right now. Yeah, well, I think um, with the market shifting, you know, rates going up, there's gonna be a nice cleansing. And I think I think the our industry is due for that. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's gonna cleanse out. I mean, you're still gonna have the riffraff in the industry, but it's going to cleanse out a lot of those that were just like, yeah, I got a system because their system was just getting the loan from start to finish. Their system wasn't really in cultivating those relationships to build a business that continues to perpetuate. Right. Um, and I think, you know, this year is going to be um, a big differentiator for a lot of people in the mortgage space. Um, and I think a lot of them will be, you know, doing a different job after this year. You know, rates continue to climb. It's going to it's gonna weed out those that just had a way, and they got done. You know, the loans got closed, but that was kind of the end of it, you know. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that I talk to a lot of my military clients about is what's the next step? Like, yeah, I can approve you for $900,000, whatever the number is, right? But what's next? Is this your forever home? Are you PCSing somewhere else? Are you in the military? Are you out of the military? Do you want to build a real estate portfolio? What is your investment strategy? What are you looking at for retirement? I start asking some of these questions, um, not because my goal is to try and sell them something bigger or better. My goal is to put them in a situation where they're in complete control of their financial future. I'm just helping them get to that point and guide them there, right? So if they're like, hey, look, I don't want to be a real estate investor person. I'm not interested in that. I just want the cool house with the white picket fence for my family and a good school district. Right on. We can do that. But, you know, you have the other people who are like, man, I want to house hack everything. I'm going to rent yeah, out, also don't I'm gonna rent out the cabinets, yeah. the cabinets under the sink if I can rent those out. You know, I mean, <laughs> you've got you've got the whole the whole dichotomy. So um, I bring those up because, you know, most mortgage folks are not asking those questions and it's not rocket science and I don't have to have all the answers. But gosh, if I can get their wheels turning a little bit, you know, it might start opening up some things that put them in a way better financial future. And I think, and I, this is something I do tell like all the active duty people, you know, regardless of your length, your planned length of stay in the military, um, you have the opportunity to create a tremendous um, portfolio of wealth through real estate because you're forced to move every three to five years. Yeah. The average citizen, they get to pick their city. They get to pick how close they, their, their home is from their office. And in theory, unless their office moves or reloc their job relocates them to another area, they really don't have a reason to move other than I, I want a different house, right? right? But in the military, you're forced. Like, like you don't have a choice. One day it's like, here's your orders, boom, you're going to the other side of the country. And you, you got to live somewhere, right? And then you have this awesome tool of, of the VA loan. So, so buy, buy another house, right? And, and talk to them about multifamily. And, and that's one of my favorites for them because – 
you know, the, the people who do have kind of that investment investor bug, they may not own any real estate right now, but when we get to talking about multifamily, the great thing about the VA loan is it, it skips you like five to 10 years ahead of the average Joe in real estate investing. So, you know, the average person who wants to end up one day having some multifamily homes, they have to do that leapfrog approach, right? Buy your first house, let it appreciate, either sell it or keep it as a rental, get the next house. Yeah, do a HELOC or something. Yeah. One or two. You got to leapfrog this till one day you've got enough to, to take down that bigger multifamily home because they cost more. Um, but with the VA loan, there's zero down payment. And we can make all the math work with rents and everything else. So all of a sudden, you just skip to the head of the line. Love it. And, no. And, and that's, that's something that very few people have access to. You, I mean, just think about the average person, right? Is, and I know we're all feeling it, but when you look at the cost of, let's just say, our medical insurance, right? Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's some BS right there, right? It's so expensive. Yeah. But when it's, you don't look at what's taken out of your check. You look at what's deposited in there. Well, that's how much I make, right? But if I came up to you and said, hey, I can save exact same coverage. I can save you half. You're gonna be like, that's awesome. Instead of saying, what if I didn't tell you I was gonna do that, but I took that money and invested it for you, right? Just like we do with our 401k stuff like that is, we just, we just have this perception of, I have to live, live within the, these means and nobody's showing, showing you like a, like a blueprint. How do you get from you know, where you are today to that person that maybe that you want to be? How do you get to that? Multi it's not bad. It's just more of a, you want a house? It's going to be hard. Process right now kind of sucks. But here's your pre here's your prequel. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's no university for mortgages, right? right? So quite honestly, it's I, I guess I'm not shocked that most people just stick to the 1003. Like, right? Like, what are the questions on the 1003? And to your point, Jason, they're not asking about life and they're not really probably even concerned with it, right? Um, yeah. I think a lot, I, I hope, and I'm happy to be wrong, that a lot of people come from a good place, right? They want to help people. But to yeah. Eric's point, right? Like, if you didn't exist, past people from, all the people from the past two years, they're just going to get a loan someplace else. So you're not really helping them, but that's what you're saying. So you're out of alignment. I want to just quickly note that we'll probably take the next few minutes to, to just slowly wrap up here. Um, I wanted to quickly ask a question uh, to Jason. Eric, did you want to add anything? No, I, I think that this is really simplistic question. I'm just curious about, I have a perception, but like how, how much of a leg up do you think it gives you, not just in case, uh, in talking about validity, but more of just from uh, being able to relate, do you think the fact that, that you were actually a vet yourself play in, in what you're doing right now? Um, I think it has a big impact um, being a vet. You know, one thing that the military folks are always a little timid about is dealing with civilians because mm -hmm. there's all of these companies, and not just in our space, but, you know, the auto dealership that's, you know, one block outside the gate of the base. And, you know, the the signs you see and the commercials you see about, you know, there, there's so much marketing going towards that military community of, yeah, we got something special for you. When oftentimes it's just a gotcha moment, right? Like those auto dealerships are the best example outside of the, ba the bases in a lot of the c country. You know, like, oh, get this car, you know, nothing down, blah, blah, blah. And these guys walk away not understanding what they're doing. And they have these massive car payments or, you know, they buy the 
the Camaro and then they get to finance the wheels on top of it. So it's totally decked out, you know, and like they walk out of there thinking, yeah, this is a great and exciting, but from a financial aspect, they just got completely raked right over the coals. Right. And so it only takes a couple of those experiences before the military service members like, Ooh, you're a civilian. Why do you want me? Cause I feel like there's a gotcha moment coming. Right. So having that veteran background, I think helps soften that a little bit and maybe allow me a, a little bit more trust than just the average, you know, loan officer who didn't serve. Yeah. I think that, and kind of an earlier point, a lot of the times people will struggle, right? Like we're not, they don't do their taxes, right? Like they're not financial planners. Right. And they really don't, they're not going through life being all that successful is one way. I don't want to sound negative, but let's be honest when you're overseas, right? Like serving really don't have time to think of a lot of these other things. But a lot of the times people hit this point, I feel like where they'll put their hand up and say, well, can I buy a house? Like maybe I can do that, right? I'm sucking in all these other areas, but maybe I can do that as loan originators. I think that right now, especially in today's market, like you have, we have that ability to impact change, to inspire them. And this was the question I wanted to ask you, Jason, was I feel like right now, like, doesn't matter if you turn on the news, doesn't matter if you look on social media, you see realtors, you see other lenders posting all this fear-based stuff, rising interest rates, right? In a bubble. And that's a, I think that's a really shitty way to leave. Pardon my English. But yeah. if you're leading with fear and you're just contributing to this narrative, like what is one of the ways you have that you're currently or that you've seen work really well as it comes to inspirational leadership, trying to help your team, right? Other loan officers, as well as the consumers to inspire them in today's market. Well, I think, I think if you can come from, come at life with the, the purview of abundance, right? There, there is more than enough, right? There are more than enough homes available, right? Even though we're in this super low supply of homes, there are more than enough homes available. Forcing it probably isn't the answer. If you can tell you're trying to force a deal to come together, it's probably the wrong one. And it would have been the wrong one in a market with lots of homes for sale, right? So um, I think you have to come at it with an abundance attitude. Um, and that goes for the real estate agents or the lenders who are promoting a crash or you know any of these other things. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't just end, you know, because interest rates got too high or homes appreciated too high too quickly. It doesn't just like the, the merry ground doesn't just stop and everybody gets off yeah. and all of a sudden the industry is over, right? Like, yeah. you know, those that understand and have that abundance mindset know that there's always, there's always that opportunity out there, but it just, it's not going to come as easy. And so even though there's still, you know, abundance available, you got it, you got to go get it right. It's not just going to be placed in your lap. And that's, you know, from a buying a home perspective to a, a loan originator going to get business or a realtor trying to get the next deal or, you know, worried about where the market is. Um, you can only control what you can control. And that's your effort in any one of those areas, right? So control what you can control. There's outside influences, but they don't dictate what you're able to do. That's awesome. All right, nice. cool. Well, hey, guys, this has been fantastic. I'm going to say it, Jason, like I've loved uh, these, this conversation. This has definitely been probably one of the 
highest, most impactful, inspiring conversations, especially with what's happening right now, you know, in, in today's market. Um, for anybody who wants to follow Jason or, hey, if you want to hit him up and ask for a copy of his, uh, his realtor presentation, maybe he'll share. Um, you can find him <laughs> on Instagram, VA Loan Guy. Um, I'm sure you could just, they could message you there, Jason, if they yeah, want to connect. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. Eric, before we to. wrap up, final thoughts? You know what? I will tell you, like, it's, it's always a, a true pleasure to just get to get people's perspective and, you know, collaborate with them on what they think is important and just kind of have a really great free flowing, you know, uh, conversation. And, you know, what you brought today was not only phenomenal from a topic standpoint, but like I said, I, to, to the points we've made earlier is, you know, we don't really care what the name on the door is or the name of the company. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's how we can impact people for, for the positive. And, and like you said, share that abundance mindset. Truly appreciate you being on. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we get this out on time. <laughs> of course we will. Well, hey, for anybody listening, um, please go ahead. If you got something out of this, please give it a like, share it on social media, subscribe if this is on YouTube. Um, uh, uh, again, like the purpose of the From Experience podcast is to promote transparency, help people to establish creating a, blue, a blue, uh, blueprint and a playbook and to, uh, to be more value-based in the mortgage industry. So thanks everyone for listening. Take care.